0: Well, this morning we are going to um, be looking at two passages of scripture that we're going to dovetail together, Matthew chapter 6, 33, and Hebrews chapter 12. And I would invite you to look to those uh, places. Matthew six thirty three and Hebrews twelve, twenty six through twenty nine. Well, to say that we are living in disrupted and different days is a great understatement, right? One pastoral colleague of mine asked this simple question. He said it sums it up in an email, he said, strange days we are living in, huh? And strange, maybe it doesn't even capture that. In the midst of these times, though, there is truths for us to latch onto, I believe, and live out, which can serve as guideposts. And so over the next weeks of this summer, we will be working through a series of sermons focused on living in the new ordinary. You know, what is ahead of us is unfamiliar territory. More in some ways than others, depending on the circumstance, but let's just talk about that. Our worship practices are going to be different. Our love for one another leads us to practices like social distancing and mask wearing or or facial cloth coverings things we would not have dreamed of on March 1st. The painful experiences of racial injustice have split open a wound that needs healing. And somehow as I read the gospel, I think the church needs to be in the forefront of that healing. And the path of a nation that in some ways, in some ways one of the gifts of these recent months is I think we have discovered the beauty of collective good of how we really need each other, how we must sacrifice for one another, even as we struggle with our own individualized preferences. Uh, today we're going to begin with this thought. In the stripping away of so much we have taken for granted, whether personally, socially, or culturally, are we getting down to the heart of worship? But, but I want to start with another question that's been a question that's been persistent. If the Holy Spirit is anything, He is persistent. A question that persistently keeps coming to my mind. It, it props, pop, pops up in conversations. It settles in upon my mind at night as I'm putting my head to bed. It sits with me as I sit quietly. In asking this one question, I land upon those some clear words from Jesus. They are so familiar, in fact, they're they're almost like a road sign on the road when we're driving down um, um, Route 3, perhaps, and you're driving along, and there's some road signs we pass all the time, and we, we don't even really see them. We just kind of drive past them. But there they are. Well, these words from Jesus right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. In a place where he's giving considerable time to talking about the ongoing realities of managing ordinary life. Material things that may allure us, worries and anxieties that might plague us, clothing that protects us and food that nurtures us, and by implication, anything that we perceive as the necessities of life. And in the middle of that, he's telling us, don't ask what you're going to eat. Don't, don't ask what you're going to drink. Don't ask, how's it going to work out for you? Don't ask, what do you need to do to make things better for yourself? He says this, do not worry. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need in all these things. I think those are good words to hear. The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic has stripped us in some ways, to essentials. Some things we thought were necessary a few months ago have proven to not be so. Instead, essentials have risen to the surface. Basic needs. Anyone here remember when we couldn't get toilet paper? Right? Human touch. Regular rhythms in life. Spiritual community. In some ways, life has been shaken. Resources we banked on. Habits we grew accustomed to. Relationships we took for granted. When these are stripped away, it feels like we have been gutted of life. But then, there is this very clear and simple word from Jesus. Right in the middle of his lessons, the ongoing realities of managing life. Jesus goes on. And he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. In the middle of all the worries that beset us, the concerns and anxieties that dog us, the everyday life of balancing the realities before us, the unsettled world around us for the everyday stuff of life that is us, Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom. But what about that question I talked about earlier, that question that's persisting, that doesn't let up? That question is this. So what is God actually inviting us to in these days? In these days that are the new ordinary. Now, now I'm not fond of the term, the new normal. I mean, call it semantics, and, and I, I'd be guilty of that, I'm sure. But what it suggests is an attempt to go back to try to normalize things as they once were. And I understand the need to embrace normal in seasons of change. I do. I want to do that. When the world around you uh, thrusts you into the unknown and the uncomfortable and we have been thrust into the unknown and the uncomfortable. Things have been shaken. But now the world before us is unlike anything the world we left behind us in many ways just a few months ago. But the invitation is to try and creatively imagine what God is doing and what he is inviting you and me to to be part of. And that's why these words from Jesus, in the middle of his commentary, on the worries and the concerns and the details of life are so important. Seek first his kingdom not just give it a glance as if you're going down the road to life and it's just a road sign on the christian road that you look at but make it the first thing so perhaps that is a question we need to ask as we sit with this invitation what are you inviting us to god and what ways lord in this invitation what ways are you helping me discover how to make his kingdom first thing. The disconcerting unknown of a pandemic. Who would have thought? None of us would have thought about this six, eight months ago. None of us. The unsettledness around conversations and recognition of racism. Who wants to have that conversation? Not to mention the personal disruptions of life over these last few months, that have nothing to do with stay-at-home orders or protests, just the stuff of life. I've had that, you've had that, we've all had that. All of this causes us to sharpen our vision. We are are stripped down. And you know what's happened is, if we've allowed it, we've been forced to look at ourselves. We've been forced to look through all the stuff that hides us, that prevents us from looking At ourselves. So when Jesus was talking about the common concerns of life, do you think that he was aware that when that which seems so predictable and comfortable is shaken, it causes us to reach for the most necessary things? Do you think he was aware of that? See, I think he was. I think he was very aware that when The normal becomes the abnormal when it's disrupted. We look for the necessary things. I believe he was and is aware of that. And so he says, seek first his kingdom. Now here's why that rings true for me today. Because it is his kingdom that is the most dependable thing. There is nothing more dependable than the kingdom of God. Nothing. Nothing. Do you remember when the Ten Commandments were given, when when they were given to Moses at Mount Sinai? The setting is like, it's from like a, you know, George Lucas movie. When you read it in the book of Exodus, you hear about how the mountain, three times it talks about this mountain smoking. It's billowing smoke, it's doing smoke, it's smoking. And then it's shaking, and it says this, Mount Sinai trembled violently. Now, I know Moses is a cool guy, and we think he just probably had it all together, but I'm thinking Moses is looking at this mountain going, what did I get myself into, right? Well, in, later in the New Testament, in a letter to the Hebrews, What was written to an early community of Jewish Christians in Rome, the writer recalls the Sinai shaking. And and there's a reason why he recalls that mountain shaking, and I believe it's this, because their lives were being shaken. They were facing suffering and hardship and difficulty because of their faith. Persecution in the first century Jewish quarter of Rome is chronicled and was awful, And they were deprived and their lives were disrupted and normal was gone. And facing such hardship, these folks were struggling and they wanted to turn back to that which they knew. It'd be so much easier to go back to the way we did life before as not necessarily even saying we're Christians, but going back to our practices before, going back to normal. What they thought was familiar and comfortable, especially when it came to the practice of religion. But there was no going back. The world had changed. Normal was gone, as at least how they define normal. So the writer to the book of Hebrews tells them to keep moving forward and reminds them of the shaking mountain of the law, which incited fear for the people of Israel. But then reminds them that God said he would not only shake earth, but heaven. And he, and he says this, just kind of capturing these words, beginning with verse 26. Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And then he says, removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Created things being shaken, so that what can't be shaken will remain. Now I know that passage points to the end of all things, when God makes all things right, that points to that, But it also points to like today, like real life, for them, for us. So let's pause there. Our personal, cultural, and global world seems to be shaking at a seismic level. In fact, the root word for the word shake here in the book of Hebrews is the root word for seismic, for seismic activity. It's like earthquake force. And now we stand in the midst of this earthquake in our lives, maybe personally, socially, culturally, globally. And we're not sure what to do with these pieces that are lying everywhere. So many created things, so many created things, things we've created have been shaken. But the question we must continue to ask is this, in the shaking, what is God inviting us to? Jesus knows that life can and does shake, so he invites us to the one thing that cannot be shaken, seek first his kingdom and that's how Hebrews puts it that's the picture of the kingdom Hebrews gives to us because the writer goes on and he says therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire what is God inviting us to well I know some of you know this story but it was in the late 1990s, the late 1990s. Some of you here before, some of you here today were not born yet. So you maybe don't even remember this part, or I know a number of you do know this story. It involved a church in Watford, England. It's called the Soul Survivor Church. And they were going through a period of time as a church community where they were apathetic, Where they had lost their zeal, where they had lost their their energy, if you will, in the meaning of the practice of worship. They had struggled to find meaning. It had become focused on something to consume, something for themselves. The pastor of that church bravely insisted that they get rid of the sound system and the band. stripped them down he told the church that they had lost their way in worship and that the way back would be to strip everything away the way back uh, the pastor mike Pilavacci asked one question he said this when you come through the doors what are you bringing as your offering to god what a question that is huh as you come through the doors, what are you bringing as an offering to God? Let's change it a little bit. As you wake up in the morning, what are you bringing as an offering to God? And out of that season, one of the most famous worship songs were born, was born. The heart of worship. When the music fades and all is stripped away. Let's stop there for a moment. Maybe it's not the music that's faded that you need to insert. Is there something in there you need to insert for your life? When the comfort fades. When this item here that's making it hard for me fades. When when the way I expected everything to be fades. When the music fades and All is stripped away and I simply come and we simply come. I love that line. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Amen? I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I have made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I think that song, I I read that song differently in July of 2020 than I've ever read it before. I hear it differently than ever before. I know the story. We talk about it. But this has happened in some ways. When the music fades, all is stripped away. What is left? What is left of you when all is stripped away? What is left of me? What is left of us as a people, as a community, when all is stripped away? What is God inviting us to What if my life really becomes all about Jesus and not just a song when it's all about you? What if we said, my life is all about you, Jesus? What if that really happens? And could it be that through all that has been shaking in our world in the recent weeks and months, we are actually hearing the language of God inviting us to consider how we have given more value and priority to created things than to God's thing, His kingdom. What if we are actually staring right now at an invitation to truly embrace the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken? The upside-down kingdom. Not the kingdom of power, but the kingdom of cross-like sacrifice because it's all about Jesus and that's what he did. And what if we take him up on his invitation and we are invited, we take him up on this invitation to be those who are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And what if the primary activity of God in these days is to strip us down to what matters. Now, don't leave here today and say, Pastor Jeff said that God caused the pandemic. (laughs) You know, or Pastor Jeff said that God's kind of manipulating the cultural landscape to create angst and division and tension so that he could do this. No, no, no. You know what I love about Jesus is he redeems what we give him. He's a redeeming God and he redeems the brokenness. So what if what's actually happening is in the midst of it all, the primary redemptive activity of God in these days is to strip us down to what matters, to raise our awareness of our need for God and each other, to see, help us really see the world's brokenness in our own and to awaken us to a true revival. Not just one we talk about, a true renewal That is revealed primarily in cross-like sacrifice for others. What does that mean for the way I view my resources? How does that change the way I value people in relationships? What does that mean for the appreciation of those who have served us? Will we ever look at doctors and nurses again the same? We ought not. And others who have served us. What are the implications for how I view racism and the renewed conversation around it? How will I offer myself to God to be part of a solution fueled by grace? What does receiving this unshakable kingdom mean moving forward into the unknown, the unresolved, the unwanted, all those things that shake us? Am I allowing God to shake me to the core, helping me to get to the heart of worship? Will I allow it to be all about Jesus? Wouldn't that be great? I know that's what you want. I know it's what I want. When Jesus says, seek first his kingdom, he is pointing to the one we can truly depend on, to the way that my life and your life can be shaped to be like him. So no wonder he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because nothing, nothing can shake that. And all we have left, all we have left then, is to bow down and worship. To worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And later in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, through Jesus let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. And then he says, do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. How our worship becomes an expression of Christ's likeness. Literally, worship becomes life, the way we live it. As we come to the Lord's Supper, I'm going to invite you to prepare the elements for communion for those of you who are at home. In a moment, we'll partake together wherever we find ourselves. We're going to do that together, both here and in the homes where we are gathered. So congregation, I would invite you to take that prepackaged piece of communion and you can begin by getting ready to pull that little cellophane piece back. If the heart of worship is all about Jesus, then the call of my life is to live and love like Jesus. To demonstrate cross-like sacrifice, seeking the highest and best good for the sake of the other. Maybe what God is inviting us to see, in some ways, is how far we are from that. How desperately we need that. And yet, by His grace, how capable we are of seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. is not our own. So this table that we share around today, this sacrament, turns us from any other focus but to a focus on the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. And it beckons us to be and do the same. And that, my friends, is the heart of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's why it can't be shaken, because it's unlike the value system of the world. We are reminded that it is through the cross of Jesus that our king secured our redemption. And it is now our faith in the one who went to the cross on our behalf that we now trust and we discover. It is all about Jesus. Right? It is all about Jesus. Amen. Our King. So I invite you to peel back that first piece. Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks to the Father, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we participate together, may our lives remind the world of this self-giving love that his kingdom is built upon. Let us participate in the bread. Jesus then took the cup and he gave thanks to the Father. And he gave the cup to his disciples and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant, my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of many. Do this in remembrance of me. As we participate in the cup, may we be reminded that our God is compassionate, slow to anger, the God of mercies new each morning, the God of redemption, who forgives us of our sins as we trust in Jesus. And gives us new life. He redeems our lives. So as we participate, may our lives remind the world, because of his grace, of his redeeming love. Let us participate in the cup. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to thank you today that your kingdom cannot be shaken. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace to us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that when all around us is stripped away, we still have you. And we thank you, Lord God, that we can do all things through you. Now, Lord God, we pray that as we go from this place today that we'll live out the heart of our worship. We pray, Lord God, that you'd be glorified. And we pray that you'd be seen in us. Shake us to the core. And may we find in the world see you. In Christ's name. Now, in a moment, I'm going to pronounce the benediction, but as you're going today, you're going to be hearing the heart of worship. I pray that today you have sensed and found and received his grace in our gathering, whether we've gathered here in the sanctuary or in our homes. It's been a pretty interesting journey these weeks, imagining what you have been doing in your homes during these times, hearing the stories Getting pictures of children looking at TV, I'm not sure if they're scared or enamored looking at me. Probably scared, you're right. But here's the beauty. Jesus transcends it all. He transcends distance. He meets us wherever we are as we gather in his name. And we have gathered today here And wherever we have found ourselves, the scattered and gathered church. And he is still king. As you leave here today, once I pronounce the benediction, our ushers are going to dismiss you from the back. And so I would just ask you to wait till they dismiss you. But now receive this benediction. And now may the king, Jesus Christ, go with you. May you seek first his kingdom, the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And may you in your own heart and life see him and find him so that the world will see him through you. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Go in his peace.